Hello, sisters. I have a teaching that I had taught about four years ago from the book of Ruth that I'll be sharing with you on this podcast. It is a seven-part series, and we'll be going verse by verse through the book of Ruth. So grab your Bible or just listen while you're doing your daily tasks. Either way, the Word of God is going to get into you today. God bless you. Hey family, welcome to God's Word, Transforming Lives. Are you ready to dive deeper into your walk with Christ? Do you desire to learn His Word with a greater understanding that applies to your daily living? Do you feel like you're in a vicious cycle of victory and defeat? My name is Amy, and friend, I was so frustrated with my faith walk for decades. No matter what I did, I could not escape the symptoms that trauma from my childhood left me with. Not only that, I didn't seem to experience any victory that I read about in the Word of God. And even worse, I couldn't see it or experience it in my church life either. It all left me feeling even more confused and more empty. I knew Christ was the way and the truth and the life, and I knew His Word was the answer. So finally one day, I got fed up with living in defeat. And I became determined to find the Jesus of Scripture. I discovered true faith in Christ and had to unlearn much of what I had been taught. With God's Word and His Spirit, I have been free from anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, and suicidal thoughts for almost 15 years. And I have learned a tool set to overcome my past trauma and losses. God's Word has transformed my life. If you are ready for truth and transformation, then hop into the slow cooker with me and let's marinate together in God's Word. Did you know I have a free sisterhood community of women just like you? Women who love Jesus and they love one another. They too are looking for that deeper walk with Christ and they love learning His Word. If you pause right now and click the link below in the show notes, it'll take you right to the Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you. So verse eight, then Boaz said to Ruth, you will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. So we start to see him protecting her right away. He starts to protect her. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. You already start to see Boaz immediately protecting her, making sure she's safe, making sure that she's taken care of. He's even saying, here, you come over here and drink from the water that my men draw. He's already bringing her in as that even though she's a sojourner, even though she's not truly a Jew, he's treating her as if she is one. He's already starting to show her that favoritism. And a man of God, should we should have that. We should feel safe and protected and provided for. A man of God does that. Again, single ladies, it's very important that you choose a man of God. Not a man who says he's of God. Not a man who can quote you scripture, but a man who truly is sold out for Jesus Christ. He knows the word. He lives by the word. He has a spirit of love and safety and protection and provision for you and your children. Because you want somebody who loves Jesus more than they love you. And then you need to love Jesus more than you love them. And then only in that are you going to have truly a successful marriage. 
and then those of us, or not me, but those who have already made that decision before salvation or whatever, we talked last week kind of how to deal with that a little bit more. Because that's a tough place to be, and you guys now have a testimony about equal, being equally on yoke, you know. So again, going back to that. So verse 10, so she fell on her face and bowed to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? Is this not our response to Jesus? I was an enemy of God. His wrath abided on my head. I sinned against him. I was a Gentile. There was no way for me to be saved. There was no way for you to be saved. There's no way you could have earned it or worked for it. There's nothing good in you that deserves salvation. And yet God chose us. God chose us anyway, even though we gave him every reason to send us straight to hell. If he would have sent us all to hell, he would, be, he would just be just and righteous to do so. We've given him every reason to do so. But instead, he looked upon us and found favor. He found favor and he redeemed us. And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. God does not Sacrifice does not go unnoticed in God's kingdom. He sees what we've sacrificed for him. He sees that we've let go of relationships. We've let go of things that we enjoyed in our flesh, even if they were dangerous to us, even if they were killing us, like drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, <laughs> food, whatever it is. He sees those sacrifices that we make, and he honors that. God loves to bless his kids. He loves to. And he loves, it's obedience, right? Obedience over sacrifice. But he notices that obedience or that sacrifice in our lives. And he loves to bless it. And that's what he's seen here. I mean, I saw your sacrifice, Ruth. I saw that you left it all. Even being able to potentially have a husband and children. You've said, I'll lay it all down to come to people you didn't even know. Right? I lay, we laid it all down to come to a God we didn't even know. We didn't technically know God when we first got saved. We were like, I don't know why I'm saved and, and this is it. And there's a supernatural experience. And I just want to lay it all down. And you're God and I believe it. But I have really no idea who you are. Because we're not like all of a sudden born again and know the attributes of God. We're not all of a sudden born again and know the doctrines of our faith. That's what we're here for. That's what we're doing today. That's what we do on Friday nights. That's what we're doing. We're, we're training you guys up and we're learning at the same time. Like we're learning who God is. But we just know that we needed to sacrifice it all. We needed to lay it all down for him. Verse 12, the Lord repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. This is actually a prayer. He's praying this over her. The Lord repay you your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel. He repays us. God's not a God of take. He's a God of give. Now we have twisted this a lot in American theology of, you know, health, wealth, and prosperity, and best life now. Does God bless us here on this earth? Yeah, but that stuff's temporal, and the stuff that he blesses us here is going to burn up in the fire and be eaten by moths anyway. I want most of mine, my rewards to be spiritual because they're going to last for eternity in heaven. 
They're not, rust can't get to them, moths can't get to them, thieves can't get to it there, right? So that's where our, that's where our perspective needs to be on heavenly rewards and heavenly blessings, although he does bless us here as well. And then he says, under whose wings you have come for refuge. And literally this is like a picture of a, like a wounded baby bird, literally under the big wing of its mother. Have you ever seen like that picture where the little baby birds like kind of under the wing of the mom or uh, you know or there's a mom or whatever that's protecting a wounded baby their cub or whatever and they're, it's, and, they, and they're just they have their whole their whole being is surrounding that baby to cover it for refuge for protection for healing for restoration and that is God in our life he is the big God who literally surrounds us and protects us and guards us and gives us safety. And he loves us and he nurtures us, nurtures us. He knows that sin caused a lot of pain in our lives. He knows that we need a lot of inner healing. He knows that we need deliverance. He knows we're coming out from a whole host of things that Satan had us engaged in when we got saved. A whole host of things. And he is like a mother wing or a father protector just up underneath his breast and he's holding us close to him and he's saying i'm going to heal you i'm going to do that inner healing i'm going to do that deliverance i'm going to put you on a firm foundation and then he continues to protect us even when we become strong and mature and now we're out there fighting in the battle and we're out there preaching the gospel and we're helping others get out from their sin god is always there protecting and guiding and he's there for us and then when life just hits you Go back underneath his wing and just sit there for a minute and let him just heal you and restore you and speak life into you and give you a new perspective. Sometimes our perspective gets really off when we're going through trials. Um, and just sit under that wing because that's what it's there for. And then she said, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me, comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. She didn't have the same rights as the Jewish people. She did not have the same rights as his other maidservants because she was a stranger. She was a foreigner. And even though she come in and was willing to obey all the laws of land and make God her God, remember we talked about this in Ephesians, because she was a Gentile, she could never get the same rights as the Jewish person, as the Jewish lineage. But Jesus, he tore that veil. In Ephesians, when we read chapters 1 through 3, and we went through this, and some of you weren't here, and we'll, probably, we'll go through it again, but 1 through 3, we didn't have that right. We were foreigners. We were Gentiles. And yet Jesus came. He died on the cross for the whole world. And it's by no accident that, that, that Ruth, that the story of Ruth is in the Old Testament because she eventually, as we're going to read, goes on and gets married to Boaz and has a child, bears a son, who ends up being the lineage of Jesus Christ through King David. This is just another type and foreshadow that God is going to come and save the world Jew and Gentile, rich and poor. And so, she, so she's saying, I'm not like one of your maidservants. You didn't have to show me this favor. God, I wasn't Jewish. You didn't have to come and die for me. But he did. And he made a way where there was no way. We can now go to that holy of holies. Like we talk about, we can pray day and night. We have a father who now loves us that we can crawl up on his lap or go up underneath that wing. And he didn't have to do that. 
and now we have the same rights. We have a full inheritance because of what Jesus Christ did for us. We have the full inheritance of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, when we get into John's chapter 14, 15, 16 on Friday nights, we're gonna get into where he talks about everything that's mine, everything the Father gave me, Jesus said, is now yours. All of it. Because of the Holy Spirit of God that now lives in you. When you get regenerated by me, you now have all of it. And we're going to see Boaz as he gets to that where he's, it's all yours, Ruth. It's all yours. We're going to get there in chapters three and four. Now Boaz said to her in the meal, at mealtime, come here and eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed parched grain to her and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. And he's bringing her all in. He's bringing her in with his men. He's bringing her in with the, all the people, that, the, the laborers of the land, not just the poor that goes and gleans. You're now here with me. Dip your bread in the same cup I'm going to dip in. Isn't that what Jesus did in the communion? He dipped in the same cup of wine. They drank from the same cup. They ate from the same bread. We're now one. And she kept some back. Here's the heart of Ruth. She didn't just go, oh my gosh, look at this spread. Oh, this is delicious. I'm just going to eat and eat and eat. She was satisfied, which means she didn't eat past the point of. She didn't just fill herself up. She didn't just have more than her physical body wanted. But then she also kept some back thinking of her mother-in-law who's at home. Thinking of others. And that should be our heart. Moms know this the best. You guys are always thinking of your kids. You know, you'll, you guys will go without clothes and your kids will have clothes. You guys will go without, you know, moms are really proficient at that. Knowing, having that love, you have that love to keep some back for others. And that needs to be our heart. Always thinking of others, thinking of the homeless, thinking of the poor, thinking of our own families, thinking of, you know, what can I keep back for someone else? We don't need to have it all. We don't need to store it all up in our own storehouses, store up our own needs, but to be thinking of the needs of others in verse 15 and when she rose up to glean boaz commanded his young men saying let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her he's now given her permission for all of it whatever she wants she can have it this is god's favor this is god's favor in our own life it's all afforded to you now you have the full inheritance now and let the grain from the bundles fall purposely for her Leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out what she had gleaned. And it was about, infra of, it was about an infra of barley. So at the end of the night, when they were done, they had all their pack. They would beat it out and so it fall in order to be able to make the bread. But she ended up having eight gallons of barley that one day. And they, they predict about eight gallons of barley. And that would have been about a two-week supply of food for her and Naomi. Two weeks supply. I'd like to go to work for one day and not have to work again for two weeks. How about you all? <laughs> we just work one day every two weeks and it provides all of our needs. But that's what, that's, what, that's what God's favor did for her. And that's what Boaz did. I forgot. So she had eight gallons of barley. There'd been about two weeks supply for her and Naomi. What a great God we serve. What provision. What a provider. And then she took it up and went into the city and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. So she brought out, she brought out and gave to her what she had kept back after she had been satisfied. 
And her mother-in-law said to her, where have you gleaned today? And where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. She doesn't realize it's Boaz yet, but she realized she saw the blessing. And she's like, wow, where did you go to glean? Because typically you go to glean and you might get enough for a day. And you got to go out every day and continue to glean in these fields. And she was just like, wow, who did you work for today? My dad. You know, that's not what she's going to say. But for us, when we work and we give our all, God comes alongside of us. I've seen it over and over and over again. When, he, when we just, like they said back here, make the Lord the presence of your life. Make him your all in all. And it does, again, we not health, wealth, prosperity, but you'll always see God's provision. You'll see him coming alongside you. You'll see him making a way where there seems to be no way. And we should see that in our life. He's a good father. He's a good, good father. And he loves to give good gifts to his children says, I love to give good gifts to my children. I'm not like earthly fathers. I want you, that earthly fathers will even give you bread and they'll give you, you know, water. But I'm a good father. I want to give you even greater. I want to give you good gifts. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man name was whom I work today was Boaz. And then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, blessed be of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said to her, this man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. So here's God's providence working in the midst of what we thought was tragedy. Naomi thought her life was over. She lost her husband. She lost her two sons. She's too old to remarry. In her mind, no one's going to want her. She has no grandchildren. Her lineage is over and her life is over. She thought God was mad at her and it was done. But that's when we, when our life, when we're having trials and tribulations and we feel like, my gosh, I just feels like everything's against me. Stay focused on the future, God's provision. What is he doing in that situation? Naomi, what is he doing in the situation? Have enough faith and trust in God, which she did because she went back. She went back to the promised land. So she must have had some sort of trust and faith that no matter what, even if God killed her when she got there, she still trusted God that he's a good God. But now she's starting to see something unfold, God's providence, God's plan for her life. Oh, it's not over. She had started to get the idea, Boaz has took a notice of Ruth, and she knew what that meant. She knew what this could turn into. Ruth said, to, Ruth the Moabitess, we still got to call her that, said he has he also said to me you shall stay close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest again she's telling her the story he's even protecting me he's even keeping me safe he's brought me in to his, his, his that wing he's brought me into that protection that's what jesus does for us and naomi said to ruth her daughter-in-law it is good my daughter that you go out with his young women and the people do not meet you in the other field stay on the narrow road stay in your field that god has given you stay in your sphere and just do excellence in that but stay on that narrow road don't get off the beaten paths of the road of destruction there is safety and protection in god's will there's safety and protection on the narrow road that leads to salvation that leads to eternity stay in that field with jesus don't let a guy get you off track. Don't let 
something that's temporal, that's going to taste good for a day, drugs, alcohol, whatever, sex, I don't know, you know, don't let careers and money and wanting to be successful take you off track. Because I've done that. I've been there, you know, where I was so focused on success and building up things here. You know, don't let there be those distractions. Stay gospel-centered. Stay Jesus-focused. And all these things will be added on to you. So Naomi's giving her that word of wisdom. Don't leave this field. Stay right there. You have found God's favor. You have found for us your salvation. Stay there. Don't get distracted by the shiny objects. Don't get distracted. So she stayed close by the young woman of Boaz to glean until the end of barley harvest and wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother-in-law. And we're going to end there. Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor, if you would, head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review. That would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, don't forget, guys, until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for his good work. Grace and peace, I leave with you until next time.